0: Good morning. I'm so glad to be with you. This is an exciting time of the year. I love cool mornings and and warm coffee and tea. And I absolutely love the opportunity to be with you as we continue in worship and hear from God's word. I'm grateful for the music we earlier heard. I'm grateful for the Smith family leading us in the Advent reading. And now I'm so excited to be in yet another teaching in our series for the Advent season 2021, the title being, There is One. And I'm so glad, again, that we can have this time together. And let me say, I have had the privilege to meet some of you who have viewed our service online for a while and then have joined us in person. And I'm so grateful that we have the opportunity to connect this way and then to also connect in person. So continue to encourage others to join us online. We are honored that God has made the provisions and has given us the resources to continue to join you in this very special way. So thank you for allowing me to join you in your home, on your device, or wherever you may be. And thank you that I can bring my coffee with me. And I am so glad to join you today. Hey, there is one. This becomes the Powerful and necessary message of Advent and for all time. There is only one way to the Father. Jesus said this clearly in John chapter 14, verse 6. The Bible has proclaimed this from beginning to end, that there's no other way to live at peace with God than through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So this Advent season, may we have that truth a more embedded in our hearts and, and in our thoughts and in our commitments, because there is one and his name is Jesus Christ. Uh, This Advent season, we focus upon the fact that there is one child who came. There is only one way to the father. Uh, There is one love, God's love poured out through his son, Jesus Christ. And there is one Savior. So we celebrate these truths as we celebrate the fact that there is one. His name is Jesus. You know, I'm I'm always fascinated that the entire globe, seemingly some 98% certain uh, research tells us of the globe that actually pauses and worships some way during the time of Christmas and recognizes that Christmas references the birth of Christ. I find that fascinating but there are, are times when, although we, we celebrate Christmas and the significance of this of the of the focus upon the birth of Jesus, we, we sometimes don't realize that that there's one. There's no other. God sent Jesus, and He has fulfilled every promise that God has ever given us. Jesus has fulfilled every truth that God has revealed to us in His Word. So this Advent season, we return to those absolute truths that point us to this astounding fact. There is one way to the Father, and that's through the Son. His name is Jesus Christ. So today we enter into God's Word to discover a great truth concerning the fact that there is one way to God. Rick Matson, author and speaker, in his book, Faith is Like Skydiving, great title huh in his book he made this observation concerning salvation we have not made the exclusive claim jesus has and then he continues jesus said i am the the way the truth and the life and no one comes to the father except through me matson continues that exclusive claim comes from jesus that claim is not ours we respond to that claim by trusting in who Jesus is and by responding to his authority. So because of who Jesus is, we know that what he says becomes absolutely true. And therefore we believe in his claim that he is the only way to the Father, for that is indeed fact. I love this quote from Madsen because we are reminded That to say Jesus is the only way to the Father, the only way of salvation from sin and brokenness, is not to make some some confessional rhetoric claim, nor even to divulge some discovered truth of theology. Uh, To claim that Jesus represents the way to the Father, first and foremost, indicates that we're responding to Jesus. And we understand that what he has said is true, for he's the only one that has the authority to that claim. And so today we, we listen to the words of Christ and we respond by faith that he is the only way, you know, some 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah announced that a child would come. He would be the Prince of Peace. And that statement, that title Prince of Peace actually indicates that this child would be the only way Wherein one can find true peace with God, meaning true salvation. And so Christmas becomes a time where this truth is very evidence that Jesus represents the only way to the Father. For he is the Prince of Peace. He is our only way to know God and to have peace with God. But even in the announcement of his birth, we find expressly evinced the truth. That Jesus is the only way this becomes evident even in the announcement of his birth so today I invite you into Luke chapter 1 and we begin looking at verse 26 and we'll we'll study through verse 38 to discover that just in the announcement of his birth alone there are some incredible truths that secure in our hearts the exclusiveness of who Jesus Christ is as Savior and as Lord. So if, if there uh, exists in your thoughts or in your mind any doubt as to Jesus Christ, oh, I pray that you'll hear these words from, from God's truth concerning the announcement of the, the birth of Christ. And in this announcement, I'd like to share with you two very significant realities, two realities from the birth announcement of our Lord that should impact our lives today that prove Jesus Christ represents the one way, the only way, uh, to the Father. Now, this birth announcement that came to Mary represents a phenomenal encounter of heaven to, to human life where, where God engaged with Mary, made this incredible announcement, and today we know that that announcement has been completely fulfilled in Jesus. So consider these two realities. The first reality of the birth announcement expresses this truth. God made accessible what was inaccessible on our own. When we uh, begin reading this announcement of the birth of Christ, we come to a clear understanding that God has made accessible what was inaccessible left to ourselves on our own. Now, as we see this announcement opening up in Luke chapter 1, verse 26, we read, In the sixth month, meaning... Uh, a continuation of the previous story concerning the angel's visit to Zechariah about the birth of John the Baptist. So in in the uh, expecting months with Elizabeth, the sixth month marks a time when the angel also visit, visited Mary. And we see this narrative uh, continuing in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man, Joseph. Of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came to her and said, Rejoice, favored woman. Fear not, for the Lord is with you. But she was deeply troubled by this statement, wondering what type of greeting this could be. And the angel said to her, Mary, do not be afraid, because God's favor is is with you uh, today. Uh, That phrase, fear not, captured in verse 30, reflects the same statement made to Zechariah in verse 13 about the announcement of the birth of John the Baptist, the uh, prophetic forerunner of Christ himself. Uh, The phrase, do not be afraid, is certainly very fitting to this encounter between heaven and and humankind, between heaven and Zechariah earlier, and now between heaven and Mary. Uh, Do not be afraid becomes a very necessary instructive exhortation, not simply because of the ocular. Although seeing a heavenly being like an angel would certainly strike fear in most of us. But the uh, the encouragement not to be afraid does not merely reference an encouragement not to be startled by the ocular view of this angel, because something more deep deeply resonates here. This becomes... God himself stepping in to Mary's life. Now, in in biblical references, the appearance of an angel could indicate either really, really good news or really, really bad news. So obviously, when an angel would appear, and and these were select times all throughout the scripture when an angel would actually become manifested in front of of an individual and oftentimes, uh, the announcement was of God's judgment. Many times, the announcement was of of God's interaction and, and God's uh, overwhelming announcement of what will become as good. And obviously, that becomes the, the case here. The angel is about to make a phenomenal announcement, but Mary, earlier, like Zachariah, became very afraid as to what this visit might mean. The, the fear is not just ocular, but the fear... Becomes a reaction to the holiness of God and the presence of heaven becoming manifested before us. Who could stand in front of such holiness and awe? And yet here uh, the angel Gabriel has visited Mary and she's become become fearful because of oh, the holiness of God. Just ask Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter six, we see this truth manifested. The holiness of God uh, certainly uh, causes us to bow down in the, in the greatness of God. And Whenever God's presence become referenced through uh, his voice, through, through light, through an angelic visit, all oh, the, the experience becomes overwhelming. In fact, historically, all throughout the lives of God's people up until this announcement up until the coming of Christ the history of God's people resonated an overwhelming uh, an overwhelming experience of considering God's presence in fact the ceremonial restrictions that God had for his people limited the actual entrance into his presence in fact if you were to read a New Testament summary of the entrance into God's presence. You would read in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 7, that that the high priest went into the inner room, the second room, or the Holy of Holies, only once per year to make sacrifices for the people of God. And in fact, the scripture says in the book of Leviticus that he would have to make atonement for his own sin and then uh, the sins of the people, but only once per year. And now, for Mary... All of heaven seemed to pause as Gabriel stepped right in front of her to make an announcement about God's very plan for her. And so what she thought in her mind is totally inaccessible on her own, that no one can stand to be in God's presence, became a reality. And so let's begin there. God made accessible what was inaccessible on our own, a reflection of the limitedness of To the presence of God in the historic lives of Israel. And now an announcement is about to be made to Mary concerning the fact that God will send the Messiah and he will die for us, giving us all the opportunity to have access to God, to be in a relationship with God. And so to to see this truth a little deeper, notice several facts that come alive in the announcement. First, God made himself known. We've just read this, that an angel Gabriel was sent to Mary and he spoke to her by name personally concerning God's will for her. Now you may say, well, the angel doesn't necessarily uh, precipitate the the reality of God's presence. Well, if you were to read back to verse 19, when the angel visited Zechariah, the angel identified himself as Gabriel who stands in the presence of God. So God's voice, God's presence became, became noted as the very angel from his presence stood before Mary. So through Gabriel's announcement, God made himself known. Again, limited until we behold his glory in the person of Jesus Christ. But God, through the announcement of Gabriel, will, will announce that what has been Inaccessible in man's own resources will become accessible through the Messiah. God made Himself known uh, to Mary. Uh, the the cartographer, the the map maker would remind us. Looking at a map of of, of, of ancient Israel, uh, the the. The cryptographer would remind us that the place from where Mary held Nazareth was tucked in in the uh, small, uh, seemingly obscure corner of, of this geographical region of Galilee nestled up against other boundaries of, of pagan uh, nationalities or locations. And so God stepped into the life of what seemed to be an obscure young lady in an obscure location to make known his plan of redemption. God made himself known, not completely, that happens in Christ, but God made himself known through Gabriel to Mary so that he could make his plan of redemption known. So let's keep reading. Do not be afraid, Mary, you found favor with God. Now listen, you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father's David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever in his kingdom. Will have no end. God's plan of redemption becomes very evidenced here with several references to this child who will be born purely and undefiled to Mary. You will call his name Jesus. You will conceive him and you will give birth to him and he will be named Jesus. For just a moment, I'd like to reference another gospel, the gospel of Matthew. In Matthew chapter one, verse twenty one. The the statement there rings out, you will call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Here, referencing the same event, the statement becomes, you will call his name Jesus. He will be great. Matthew's gospel was originally given to Jewish Christians. They understood the name Jesus to actually mean that which is found in the Old Testament name Joshua, meaning God saves, God's salvation. And so, Matthew was led to, to actually explain the name Jesus, meaning salvation. He will save his people from their sins. Luke's gospel uh, was primarily written to Gentile Christians who did not have an understanding of the, of the Hebrew name. Uh, therefore, I love the summary statement God led Luke to make. He'll be called great. The, the word in the Greek, mega. He will be greater than, than all. And he will be called the son of the most high. In the original text, the phrase, the son of the most high actually exists without an article. So you would literally read son of most high. In our English language, that sounds awkward and incorrect. But in the in the Greek text, the the absence of an article, the actually adds emphasis to what becomes described. So the statement he is son of most high, he is the son of of the most high indicates that he is higher then, then all things, yes, he will save his people from their sins and he will go beyond saving Israel. He will he will be the savior of the world for those who will trust in him. So this becomes a, a magnanimous, overwhelming announcement concerning God's plan of redemption. God made himself known through Gabriel to Mary so that he could announce his plan of re, of redemption. And then the statement continues. He will he will be given the throne of his father david he will reign over the house of jacob forever this reign over the house actually foreshadows what two specific psalms proclaimed uh, as looking forward to the coming messiah uh, the old testament described the messiah as messiah king meaning he would have a rule now i love psalm chapter 2 verse 7 wherein it says if god is speaking you you will be my son forever and i will and i will give you uh, the throne and that actually becomes uh, repeated in, in Hebrews chapter 1, wherein the throne of heaven was not given to angels or to any other other than the Son who rules and reigns. In fact, Psalm 89 verse 27 announces that he will have the greatest throne over all the earth. And so these statements from the Old Testament foreshadow the truth that becomes ful- fulfilled right here in front of of Mary the announcement indicated that the child she will have will be the messiah he will rule and reign not just over the house of david but but he will foreshadow he will the house of david foreshadowing his eternal rule he will rule over all things and this becomes god's plan of redemption made known to mary he will save and he will rule and reign and he will fulfill All that God has promised. And then we see this incredible fact. God made his favor known. Now, obviously, God said to Mary, you have found favor. But in explaining uh, through Gabriel's announcement that your child will be called Jesus, he will rule over all things. God also made known his favor for all mankind because his kingdom will have no end. so we see declared in verse 33. So this indicates the eternal reign of our Lord and that through Jesus God will make his favor known and you and I have the opportunity to place our faith in Christ so that we can know the favor that God has given us graciously. So God has indeed made uh, his favor known. what a what a phenomenal. Uh, announcement this is. And what an incredible way to be reminded that God has has accomplished all that he desired through sending Christ. God has made through Jesus what was one inaccessible in and of ourselves accessible. Because of Christ, we, we can know God personally. We can know his plan of redemption and we can receive by faith that he has redeemed us from our sins and, and we can receive his favor, his grace and his welcoming. And, and he brings us in as his children, as we trust in Christ. We have that spirit of adoption, Romans 8, 15 tells us. So yes, one reality of the announcement pronounces God has made accessible what was once inaccessible to us. And that plan began unfolding Not in fulfillment until Christ spoke his last words on the cross and then rose again. But that plan began unfolding right here as God made this plan known uh, to Mary. Author Rebecca McLaughlin once wrote about an occasion where she was trying to explain this announcement of of the angel uh, to one of her uh, children. And this is what she wrote. I had just read... uh, my four-year-old daughter, the story of the angel Gabriel meeting Mary. And I tried not to panic when my daughter responded, I don't believe that. (laughs) So I asked, well, do you believe that God made you? And my daughter said, yes, I believe that. And do you believe that Jesus died for your sins? And my daughter said, yes. Do you believe he rose from the dead? Again, my daughter said, yes. After more gentle probing, uh, McLaughlin writes, it turned out it was really just the angel she didn't buy. But nonetheless, my daughter isn't alone in her natural skepticism about the supernatural. When we stop to think about it, Christmas does stretch beyond what we can fathom. It comes complete with angels and a virgin conceiving a child and a star guiding and heavenly hosts singing. And sometimes for our literal minds, it seems overwhelming to take in. And then McLaughlin writes, but listen to what physicist Jonathan Ving said. What is truly amazing about the Christian faith is the idea that God made the universe from quirks to galaxies. But at the same time, he cared enough about us to be born as a human being, to come down to die and to be crucified in the person of Jesus and to bring forgiveness and new life to broken people. <laughs> the scientist viewing the birth of Christ from a a rational thought, realize that the greatest miracle is obviously God becoming flesh. And so perhaps you're like uh, Rebecca McLaughlin's daughter. Perhaps you struggle with the the, the incredible picture of the, the birth narrative of our Lord. But all the greatest miracle, beyond the creation of all the galaxies and all the microbiotic and living organisms in our world, the greatest miracle becomes that a God who, who has created all things would, would send his son, would come in the flesh to become one of us, that we could know him. That represents the powerful message of Christmas. That becomes God making accessible himself what would be inaccessible if left to our own. God sent Jesus that we might be brought to Him, back to God, to know Him. What a phenomenal reality we have at Christmas time. Now, there's a second reality uh, that I share with you from this announcement. Not only did God make accessible what was once inaccessible, left to our own, but secondly, God made possible what was once impossible if left to our own. Okay, one may say, God has sent Jesus so that we can know God and have access to him. But how is that possible, one might ask. Uh, You don't know my sins. You don't know my limitations. How would God care about that? How could this be possible? God made possible what would otherwise be impossible on our own. Now, before we complete the announcement of our Savior's birth, I simply want to fast forward to verse 37 of Luke chapter 1. The grand summary serving as a foundation to this entire narrative of the announcement, exclaims, for nothing will be impossible with God. You see that proclaimed in verse 37. Nothing will be impossible with God. This is in direct response to what Mary actually said to Gabriel after he completed the announcement. When Gabriel had finished, back to verse 34, Mary asked, how can this be? Because I have not known a man. Literally, I've not been intimate with a man. How can this possibly be? So I do not think Mary was having a lapse in her strong faith in Jehovah. But rather, I believe Mary was looking for some truth that would serve as instruction for what she would do next. You know, sometimes we we face a truth that God has given us And we so desire to act on that truth. But many times our question becomes, what does this mean for me right now? Well, that would be a great summary of Mary's inquiry. How can this be? What do I need to do? I I do not doubt this is truth, but what would be my next step? How can this be? And then the angel replied. Oh, before we read how Gabriel replied to that, again, consider that statement in verse 37 With God, all things are possible. Nothing will be impossible with God. This term impossible needs our attention very quickly. In fact, the term was also used in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 18, when after Jesus' response to the rich young ruler dismissed him, the crowd responded, Then who can be saved? The rich young ruler had his religion all stacked neatly and compartmentalized. And then Jesus said, one of the things, sell all you have and give it to the poor and then come follow me. And the rich and ruler departed. And the crowd who heard this, according to Luke 18, said, Then who can be saved? In response to that question, Jesus said, What is impossible with man is possible with God. Now, this word impossible right here from Luke chapter 1 actually comes from a root word dunamas, translated power. Here, that word in the Greek, dunamas, is given a prefix A, alpha, or in our language, A, so that it becomes pronounced adunamas, meaning the opposite of dunamas, the opposite of power, the absence of power. Hence the translation impossible. So back to Jesus's words in Luke 18, when Jesus said, hey, what is impossible with man is possible with God. The, the rendering would be what is what is adunamos with man, what is without power with man is with power concerning God. What is impossible without power with God is power, very possible. So this becomes the answer to Mary. How can this be? She said from the original text how can this be in yourself i dunamas without power impossible but with god all things are possible all things are dunamas possible with power now consider specifically the uh, the changes that came the the power that god revealed from that truth all things are possible with God. All things are dunamis. All things are with God uh, filled with his power so that what he has said will be accomplished. So there's several um, details to this. First, the most obvious uh, from the from the narrative of the announcement, God made all things possible at the birth of Jesus. Mary said, uh, "How how is this possible? Earlier, the angel said, Mary, you have found favor with God. Now, I have to say the word favor is very significant. Uh, Not not just here, but throughout the birth narrative and throughout the scriptures. Now, the the, the Catholic Church believes that Mary has favor, meaning she can bestow favor. Well, that would be incorrect. That would not be right. The, The truth, actually, is not that Mary was given a supernatural power to bestow, but that she actually received favor. She received grace. She received God's uncaused grace in her life. She was very obedient and exceptional in obeying God. Concerning his promise of that favor, she trusted the voice of God manifested through Gabriel. And therefore, Mary found favor as she received God's grace, his unmerited goodness and his choice for who would be the earthly mothering vessel of the Messiah to be born. And then the angel said, when Mary asked, how can this be? I do not want to disobey you, God, but I do not understand how this can be. Uh, Back in verse 35, the angel replied, well, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the Holy One will be born. Uh, God made all things possible at the birth of Jesus. This word overshadow seems to be reminiscent of, of, of a picture of God's presence in the Old Testament when the cloud By day and the fire by night overshadowed the tabernacle. The scripture actually reads that God's presence in the cloud and the fire overshadowed and this mysterious presence covered and and hovered and, and was a very real reality. That seems to be so reminiscent to Gabriel's answer to Mary. The Holy Spirit will overshadow you. He will, in a deep, deep mystery, will envelop you through the power of God And you will conceive the Messiah. Oh, what an amazing, overwhelming miracle. You know, I'm always amazed at the uh, research in our culture concerning certain uh, doctrines people believe. And I I was amazed at the high number of people who actually believe in the reliability of the virgin birth. It's fact. So if that's fact, how can we discount that Jesus represents the only way? Because this becomes the phenomenal miracle wherein the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary and conceived the Messiah without human generation, without human contact. The Holy Spirit overshadowed her in in a deeply mysterious way. And the Messiah seated in her through the hand of God alone and she conceived And gave birth to the Messiah. What an incredible, an incredible display of of God's power. At that moment when the Holy Spirit overshadowed her, the plan of God's redemption after 700 years of being announced was underway. God did this. God made all things possible at the birth of Christ. You know, think about the idea of birth and my mind goes to such verses like Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse five, where that Old Testament verse announces that any birth, any physical birth becomes a mystery. How much more conception through the Holy Spirit becomes an overwhelming mystery of fact that she conceived by the Holy Spirit and brought forth her son. Why does this become such a significant fact? Because of the second expression of God's power. God not only made all things possible at the birth of Jesus, God now makes all things possible in salvation. Because of what he did, and the Holy Spirit conceiving, and Mary giving birth to the Messiah, and he grew up like that physical tender root, and he became one of us. And then he ministered, and he... He became, he was, and he is the full radiance of God. And as he grew, people began to see this and understand God's love. And they're seeing God in the flesh. John 1, we beheld him as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. His glory was beheld and he ministered for a bit over three years. And then he died and pronounced that all the work of redemption was done and he rose again. And here we sit embracing this truth because God has made all things possible concerning our salvation. Oh, my my mind races to Romans chapter one, verse 16, wherein the statement rings out that we we are not ashamed. Paul wrote, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ because it is the power of God for salvation. The word there is the same as here in the narrative of the announcement of our Lord's birth. The gospel is the power of God, the dunamis, that which will make possible salvation becomes the message of Romans 1 16, the power of God. And so God has made all things possible in salvation. I know there are times you feel unworthy and maybe you have. Never open your heart to the truth of Jesus because you feel unworthy or you feel too small, pushed back. Maybe you feel you've done too much to, uh, to 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 be welcomed by Him. Maybe you feel there's too much wrong or maybe you feel like you've missed opportunities to respond to the love of God. I assure you, His love transcends any mistake you've made. His love goes far beyond what you may call a missed opportunity. His love speaks to you right now through the birth announcement of Jesus. And Jesus came, lived and died and rose again so that we could know God. He's made all things possible in salvation. If you've never by faith received Jesus, I pray you'll do that today. And if you know Jesus, if your faith is in him, realize your salvation is reality. That becomes our identity for he's made all things possible. And the conclusion becomes God has made the way he's made the way. He made all things possible at the birth of Christ. He has made all things possible for our salvation. He has made the way. In fact, he has made the only way that you and I can be brought to God in peace. That peace that was spoken of earlier in this worship time references the unique belonging to God. Perfectly forgiven and brought to him as his child. God has made the only way his name is Jesus which is why we read from John chapter 14 particularly verse 6 Jesus said I am the way I am the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me Oh, what a beautiful statement Jesus said I am the way he made this claim because of who he is he's the only one that has the authority and this is true And I pray that you believe this truth because whether you believe it or not, this stands true. But I pray that you respond to this truth. Jesus is the only way. You know, I share with you two realities. God made accessible what would be inaccessible left to ourselves. And God made possible what would be impossible to ourselves. And I promised you two realities, but I actually want to sneak in a third as we close. Here's the third reality. God made presentable what was unpresentable on our own. You see, there's no goodness in me that God would accept. But listen to these two truths. First, corporately, as the whole church, Ephesians 5, 27 rings out that because of Jesus, his his will was to present the church to himself without spot or wrinkle. So the church represents the baptized community, the redeemed community, to be presented to God because of the forgiveness that is in Jesus. But not only the church, But we ourselves, according to the little book of Jude, verse 24 and 25, uh, the the exclamation is to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy through forgiveness that can only come through Jesus. The church was presented to, to Christ as perfect without spot. And you can be presented to Christ. You can be acceptable in his sight because through Jesus, God makes presentable what otherwise would be unpresentable. Oh, there was no good in me that would earn God's grace and forgiveness. But because of Jesus, that grace is real. And I'm grateful that by faith, we receive his promise and and his grace and his forgiveness. So yes, today the announcement is there is one. There is one way. I pray you know that way. And I pray you're trusting in Jesus now. Thank you for us. for being a part of this time of teaching. Thank you for being a part of this this service, our second week of Advent. There is one, there is one way. His name is Jesus. He made the exclusive claim for one reason only. That's who he is. He's the only way to the Father. And I pray that you'll trust him today. Father, thank you in Jesus' name for meeting us here, for leading us through this time of worship and this time of teaching. Guide us from this point forward as we continue to follow you and live by faith in you. Lord, we love you. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you for Christ, our Lord. And thank you that he's the only way that we can trust him. And I pray this in Jesus' name, and together we said, amen. Hey, on the screen, our our church website is there, forward slash more. Uh, If you could reach out there, we'd love to hear from you. Again, as I said earlier, many of you who've been viewing have, have joined us on site. When you feel led to do that, we'd love to have you. Uh, we know that this online service is making a difference, and uh, we're glad that you could be a part of this today. But please reach out, because more than just being a broadcast, we really pray that that the love of God in Jesus will touch your life today, and that, that you'll be changed forever. That's our desire, and that's our prayer. So thank you for joining us. I look forward to hearing from you. Love you a lot. God bless. See you soon.